This is episode number three of the School of Success podcast series with the amazing and inspiring anxiety coach, Vicky Louise. Welcome to the School of Success podcast series. My name is Melanie Pritchard, former lawyer turned success coach and corporate wellbeing trainer. And each month, we bring you an inspiring person and message to help you discover the tools for creating happiness in the widest sense. Thank you so much, everyone, for spending some time with me today. Now, without further ado, let the class begin. Buddha said, the mind is everything. What you think, you become. We have a very special guest on today's podcast, Vicky Louise, anxiety coach, serial relocator, financier turned entrepreneur on a mission to teach you how to live your best life by facing anxiety head on. In this episode, we'll be discussing that all-important subject of anxiety and how it affects our brain. Some of the issues we'll be touching on will be where anxiety comes from, what is it that makes anxiety so hard to conquer, why anxiety is more of a trend than a disorder, and why many of us may have found ourselves struggling during this very unusual time that has been lockdown. We'll also be covering some amazing top tips on how you can get on top of anxiety and lead your best life. So I hope you guys are as excited about this interview with the amazing Vicky Louise as I am. So without further ado, let me introduce you to the one, the only, Vicky Louise. I'm absolutely thrilled to have you here on the School of Success podcast series, Vicky. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm also thrilled to be a part of this series. Fabulous. Um, it was so fluky how Vicky and I connected last week. We were introduced by a lovely friend who thought we might have um, a few things in common, both being coaches. So we bring this to you rather kind of serendipitously, really, don't we, Vicky? Very much so. <laughs> so perhaps before we plunge into um, the podcast proper, you could give us a really short summary of who you are and what you do. Sure, of course. Happy to. So I'm Vicky. I am an anxiety and procrastination coach. I work one-on-one -on -one with clients to help them manage their stress and anxiety and really consistently become someone who just does what they say they're going to do. It sounds very simple, but our brains are, are programmed, they're wired slightly differently, shall we say. So that's the main area of work that I do. I've been coaching since 2016, and before that, I worked in finance, which is how I know our mutual common friend. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's, the, that's the missing link. I have to say, just the word procrastination has me on the edge of my seat with excitement, and I'm sure many listeners, because, I mean, I'm sure you find with many of your clients, as I do, that actually sort of achieving our goals and not procrastinating is one of the biggest blocks there is. <laughs> it really is. Right. Totally. I mean, 
I say that we have a, a lazy brain. Our brain is literally hardwired to um, avoid pain, seek pleasure and continue doing what we've always done. So when you come at something with like a new goal or you want to achieve something different, your brain is literally <laughs> motivated to do the exact opposite. Wow. And it's so good for people to understand that, to understand that the science is sort of against us until we learn a toolkit. I can't wait to probe that a little bit more shortly. That sounds fascinating. Perhaps before we start, Vicky, could you just share um, just a very brief summary of your personal story? Because um, I think it's so powerful that you've actually been through anxiety in different forms yourself. And, um, you know, I think that clients can get a lot more from working with someone who's been through what they're going through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so I was already certified as a life coach and people would come to me for help with anxiety and I would say no because everything that I knew about anxiety, everything that I'd been told was like it's this super serious thing. You need medicine and doctors and like even like suicidal tendencies, like just so much misinformation around it. I was petrified of it. And then fast uh, fast forward mm-hmm. and I was waking up every morning with panic attacks mm-hmm. um, and I didn't even know what they were. I was just waking up into like, sweating, shortness of breath, like the whole thing. And my partner, who's now my husband, he was like, I don't think it's normal. And I was just like doing it. I had that experience in the morning and then I got on with my day. Um, I didn't really know what was going on and I didn't know what to do about it. And I had a friend and she told me like, it just sounds like a panic attack. So I went to Google, Mm -hmm. don't go to Google. I went to Google and everywhere... I came or I searched all the information I found was really disempowering. It was actually making me feel worse. Like it's a disorder and suffering and there's something wrong with you. And I was kind of like, it doesn't really feel like, it doesn't really feel like that. And actually my background is in economics and statistics. And when I looked at the data Mm -hmm. from that point of view, I was like, Oh, if one in five adults have anxiety, it's not an outlier. It's literally a trend. And then I started to research into our evolution and biology and I can see exactly the the use of anxiety in terms of our survival mm-hmm. um and so basically I wanted to reframe the whole dialogue around anxiety mm. so it becomes empowering rather than disempowering because everywhere I was searching for that help it was very disempowering and just by applying the same life coaching tools and an understanding of like its history and biology and um and our brain, mm-hmm. I was able to manage my anxiety. Like the last time I had a panic attack was June 2019. Yeah. I think I had two the whole of 2019. Yeah. And it was 2017 when I was having them every morning. So yeah. it's like there are simple practical tools that you can do to manage your anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that you can't take medication. I think the point is there are multiple solutions yeah. and versus, and, it, and you don't have to feel disempowered by it. And that wasn't my experience. And now that's what I help other people do. That's amazing, Vicky. Thank you for sharing that. Um, And I love what you say about learning a toolkit through coaching, because um, when I came to coaching, I was very much told you can't work with people who suffer from mental health issues. It was very black and white. Well, I have worked and I do work with people who suffer with mental health issues. Um, I I believe you can still uh, learn powerful tools that can help you move forward. Obviously, if you're deeply entrenched in really embedded, um, serious stuff, then you might not be able to get sort of that support from a coach necessarily. But I love what you say in recognizing that just because you might suffer from, um, you know, you might be on the spectrum somewhere, even if it's not a disorder or an actual kind of um, mental health issue per se, it's not that black and white really, is it? Right. And here's the thing, when they say like one in five people suffer from 
this disorder, it just doesn't make sense. That whole sentence doesn't make sense because I think a hundred percent of people are on that frame at some level. Um, and we, and yeah, I just think the whole dialogue around it is so disempowering and misinformative. And my, my rule is simple. It's like, if you can't get out of bed and you can't hold down a job, Mm -hmm. then you should probably go somewhere else. That's very true. I mean, you know, I, I spoke to you about the mental health workshops that I do, and often people will say, but Mel, what's the difference between, you know, anxiety and an anxiety disorder or feeling down and actual depression? And, yeah, what you just said is, I would totally agree with, it, it falls more into that kind of disability disordered zone when your day-to-day uh-huh. life is really impacted and things that are normal for you become a real struggle. So thank you very much for clarifying that. I think that's really helpful for listeners. Um, do you mind me uh-huh. asking, Vicky, in terms of your own sort of panic attacks and thank you for sharing because it's so destigmatizing when people do share their own experiences. Uh-huh. Was there any kind of trigger for your panic attacks when they were sort of coming quite thick and fast? Yes. At the time I was launching, I was CEO of a tech startup mm-hmm. and we were suddenly working with programmers all over the world and I'd never understood the technology. So managing different people, spending money, not earning money, the whole thing, I felt very disempowered, very out of control, very, nervous the whole time that I was making the wrong choice yeah. and I knew that exactly what it was because I would wake up like into that shortness of breath as though I'd just been having a conversation with those programmers oh my God. um so that was kind of the trigger for me to go and, and like to have these in my life yeah wow um and that's a really interesting example because probably to the outside world it, what you were doing probably looked really glamorous and like wow Vicky's you know got it all she's you know running this tech startup and as you and I both know from our work and, you know, our experiences and work in mental health, um, you know, there are many different faces to suffering, aren't there? Um, someone can look like they have it all, but it can be really quite invisible um, and not sort of manifesting in physical signs and symptoms or even behavioral. It can just be psychological. Maybe people don't even realize. So it's a powerful example you just gave there. One word that uh-huh. really stood out was control. You said, I just didn't feel in control. Um, and it strikes me that lack of control is a huge cause of stress right now during, you know, coronavirus. What have you noticed, Vicky, whether sort of in your work as a coach or just generally in life, um, seem to be the main causes of stress and anxiety right now? So, well, right now, let's be honest, like what is, let's start by breaking down what anxiety actually is because it's Mm -hmm. vagueness, like it feeds off its vagueness. Mm -hmm. And anxiety is like, an emotion it's characterized I think in the dictionary as like an emotion of unease overwhelm and worry Mm. which is still very vague but actually what's happening is your brain is releasing hormones into your body like cortisol and adrenaline so you can run from a predator not feel pain and have you know high alert (laughs) be on high alert heightened senses and so part of that is because your brain is interpreting information that puts it into fight or flight mode Mm. now if we look at what's happened the past few weeks media conversations work like a lot of uncertainty I've been coaching people on a lot of uncertainty I've been coaching people on a lot of panic and thoughts about even the economy crashing like not even you know a lot of people at first were worried about their health and then afterwards the economy seems to have taken over as the biggest worry for people but generally if we think about the fact that our brain's one job is to keep us alive Mm -hmm. and suddenly it's sensing danger everywhere I mean literally in the supermarkets literally people you know I spoke to one girl She's going home and desanitizing every item in her handbag, yeah. like in her shopping bag, unafraid to leave her house. Yeah. Like this is what's going on. We're being told that like people are bad and everything's bad. And it's one thing mm-hmm. to say, I know exactly what I need to do. I need to stay inside 
and only go out for shopping and only go out for a short walk or whatever the current rules are, like follow those rules. But what we had for a few weeks was uncertain rules, differences in the rules internationally. Media, which makes money, everyone listen to this, the media's job is not to inform you of what's going on. It has no responsibility to you. Its responsibility is to advertisers. Advertisers make money when you click more. Mm. So, like, media has for sure been creating, like, drastic, dramatic headlines. Yeah. Because you click on drastic, dramatic headlines, right? Which a lot of people I've been speaking to have been like, yeah, I've never consumed so much news in my life. So, like, they're doing a great job or their job is. So the uncertainty, the media, the the dramatizing of what's happening... All of these, like the combination of this, as well as our brain's basic job, which yeah. is just to keep us alive. That's so true, so, yeah. Kate. Um, um, sorry, Kate, Vicky, I said Kate. Um, that's so incredibly true. The headlines, I mean, case in point this morning, you know, I've been sort of obviously reading the media a fair bit. And the reason why I called you Kate is because I was going to mention Kate Garraway and, you know, obviously her <laughs> husband's in intensive care, which is obviously really worrying especially because the media is feeding us these ideas that once you're on a ventilator, you're screwed. So immediately I'm thinking, oh my gosh, poor woman, they look so in love, what's she going through? And then there was another headline this morning, very sensationalist, very misleading, um, like, you know, Piers Morgan and whatever, Susanna Reid, um, I don't know, open up about, I don't know, the, the downturn that, that he's taken. And then I clicked on the article and it was nothing of the sort. So yeah, right. media headlines, they just feed that negative monkey mind, don't they, which is our natural state of being, as you say. Uh, I'd love right. it, I'd love it if you could share with us um, anything else at all, and there might not be anything else sort of um, that comes to mind about the brain and, and what's really happening, because you said something fascinating earlier about its sort of natural state in terms of sort of stress and negativity versus kind of where we want to be, obviously feeling right. positive and upbeat. <laughs> I can't remember what your right. word was, but it sounded really powerful. I think what you're getting on, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is how our brain has a natural negativity bias. Yes. Like, our brain is naturally drawn to bad news. (laughs) All of us have a negativity bias. When we look throughout our evolution, this served us. Our ability to sense the potential threats and the worst-case scenarios stopped our predecessors from, like, winging it when it came to finding shelter or just, like, picking a few berries and eating whatever they wanted or, like, going into a lion's den, whatever it was. Like, that ability to sense potential danger and have that negativity bias of the worst-case scenario served us. And now you just gave a prime example of the stories out there of people having coronavirus and being okay and the stories out there of people having coronavirus and and unfortunately passing away and our brain will always think the worst case scenario and like your media experience was exactly that and that's our brain's job to alert us of the potential threats right and and also the brain and anxiety is getting a bad time like now like people are like trying to fight and we'll speak about this later but they're giving it a hard time but really its job is just trying to keep you alive exactly like that's that's its purpose. We just live in a different time where we're not facing predators anymore and we don't need the ability to run faster for longer because that's not going to help us now. Yeah. But like our anxiety is, I mean, I call our anxiety a survival skill. When we break mm. down why it is actually there, what actually happens in terms of our physio- physiology and what it enables us to do. Yeah, I mean, exactly the right. As you say, if, if someone's following us down a dark alleyway with a knife, it's helpful to feel anxious to be in that fight, flight or freeze. Shit, he's going to come and kill me. I better run fast. Helpful anxiety. Mm-hmm. But now I feel like the media, it's, um, it's triggering us to catastrophize wildly. I mean, obviously there is a genuine threat here as well, of course. So it feels mm-hmm. like it's quite hard to delineate between um, obviously being genuinely scared of 
not surviving right now because obviously we're surrounded by death in the media. But at the same time, I feel like it's also very easy to catastrophize on top of what's clearly a very kind of pervasively frightening situation. It's it's quite um, complex, isn't it, actually, when, yeah, when, when we kind of think about it, really. I'd love to hear, right. you, um, what are your thoughts? I know we chatted a little bit before we started recording this podcast. I've noticed that everyone's dealing with stress and anxiety very differently. And I've also noticed, despite my training around mental health um, and obviously my coaching training, that occasionally I'll feel slightly judgmental thoughts like, oh, you know, I understand that homeschooling must be really, really challenging. But I also kind of feel bad for women who can't have children and they're being bombarded with, oh, it's it's so difficult. It's so not so awful. But yes, everyone's being triggered by very different things right now. Why do you think we're all sort of coping with stress sort of differently? Or what's your experience of that been with clients or friends and family? So I've been coaching a lot of people. And and at first, I definitely noticed that, like, well, my situation's worse because I have two kids. My situation's worse because I have a loan. My situation's worse because I, I, I mean, I had one client tell me she was going to leave her husband. And then a week later, it was like, quarantine. Oh um, my my, you know, we know that people, <laughs> we know that people are, like, at home in abusive relationships right now, yeah. quarantined in with people. We know that people are um, giving birth without their partner because of things like this. We know that people are losing loved ones and not being able to go there physically like there's a lot of terrible difficult things happening for everyone and I think this like comparison we think it's like useful Mm -hmm. like the poor me but all it does is keep you in poor me and helpful land Mm -hmm. at the very beginning of this chat we spoke about the fundamental thing of like feeling in control Mm -hmm. like all we can do is make decisions for what's happening right like if you have kids at home and you are feeling more anxious and you think it's because of those kids what decisions can you put in place to minimize this like out of control feeling for example scheduling like how can you schedule your day to feel like you are in control of your time it's like these very little things that we can do Mm. that take us from disempowered to empowered like even the media right like I'm not checking the news Mm -hmm. like I I check it maybe once a day or even less and I hear it from everyone else so I don't need to like if you are compulsively checking the news stop set an alarm 5 p.m. every day I check the news, that's it. Or 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. Yeah. Like, like, how can you make small shifts to make you from disempowered and even, like, judgy or, like, viewing other people to empowered? And on that note, one of the big, thing that's, big things that's come up with my clients, whether they're, like, CEOs or just at home with the family or speaking about something they've seen online, is, like, this story that, like, everyone else is panicking. Mm-hmm. I'm like... Not everyone is panicking, but the more that we, the more that we think everyone else is panicking, the more our brain actively looks to where people are panicking. It's like our brain just loves to be right rather than be happy. Yeah. That's one of the things about our brain. And so if you are thinking everyone else is panicking, you are creating more panic in your own life. And then what I see people try and do is change those other people, which we can never do. We can't change other people. So we're trying to change other people so we can feel better versus working on what's going on in our own head. Why are we attracted to panic right now? Because it's completely normal. I don't think there's anything... There's no shocker right now. One thing I will say is there's no reason right now to be like I don't know why I'm feeling anxious yeah like you can figure it out what's your brain telling you and for some people it is health for some people it's cleanliness for some people it's the economy for some people it's I mean one big thing that's happening across the board is I will tell you coronavirus 
right, has awoken our primitive brain, whose one job is to keep us alive. Mm. And so all the things that you were worried about before, have all the things that you were struggling with before have come back with a vengeance. Definitely. So if you were like a comfort eater before, you are comfort eating <laughs> 10 times more now. Yeah. If you were someone that got snappy with your partner or family before, you are getting snappier now, yeah. right? Like it's not created new problems it's just brought to the surface a lot of things that is so true that were already there that really clarifies that's an excellent point vicky that really clarifies what i've been noticing obviously everyone has different types well not different types of children they're all children but you know children with different natures they have different partners some some partners are more hands-on with children than others but i've noticed that so friends who have been struggling with partners who weren't very hands-on are now sort of feeling maybe even greater senses of resentment um people who are innately maybe a little bit more depressed, maybe in, you know, superficially a similar situation to another family who have two children that they're homeschooling, but they might be struggling much more and they might be saying it's about the homeschooling, but actually, as you say, it might be deeper issues that are now being triggered, but it's easy to kind of label that with it's because of the children or the homeschooling, when for another family, it might actually be because of that. Um, so it's, yeah, again, it's quite, it's quite complex, isn't it? It's almost like everyone's being grouped into categories, like the single people, the parents who are homeschooling, the parents who have just had babies but actually as you say there can be um deeper issues at play beneath that for sure yeah and also if you're looking for a reason to feel like shit you're gonna find one yeah basically if you're like why do i feel bad today you can have that pity party and listen um it's okay to not feel great all the time. That's not the human experience. But one of the things I've been telling my clients is like, you didn't feel great before this all the time. You're not going to feel great after this. And you're not going to feel great all the time during this. But people are still having moments of joy and laughter and love, even despite all this. Like it's still existing out there. Definitely. Absolutely. It really is. Um, And it's very interesting what you say, Vicky. Like, as you say, it's okay not to be okay. It is a spectrum. Like, we all do have naturally different resilience levels, whether it's sort of genetically inherited or learnt behaviours. But the great thing that I learned was, you know, 50% genetics influence your vulnerability or resilience levels. But I was really excited when I realised that that leaves another 50% to learn a positive toolkit for managing stress and anxiety. So if listeners are sitting there panicking and thinking, I'm screwed, my parents aren't resilient, I didn't have a very uplifting or positive or encouraging um childhood you know it was you know for me I was lucky it was always come on darling you can do it you know what's the best way around this challenge you know you've got it within you but for other people who have obviously experienced the opposite that doesn't exactly build a great resilience muscle so I would love to hear more about from you about maybe kind of some top tips that I know that you you shared last week and I thought they were amazing on what clients um and listeners can do to build build that kind of muscle to sort of any top tips for managing anxiety right now that you think would really support people, whatever their scenario. Yeah. The first thing I say to everyone is that judgment that you have, that self-criticism, that's the first thing to go. Mm -hmm. Anxiety is normal. We know exactly why it exists in terms of how it served us and how we survived as humans with the ability to fight or flight. And it's just that our modern times have advanced so much which is brilliant and our brains just haven't caught up but our brains have been around for hundreds of thousands of years so let's just give them some time um and really like you're okay to not feel okay right now like really just allowing what is because one of the big mistakes that i see is people resisting or reacting or avoiding and Mm. like fighting with themselves over what is just naturally happening so Mm. the first thing is to stop the judgment the second thing is to like, and we, this is what we spoke about last week. It was like setting mini goals, yeah. right? Like you don't go from like, I've never worked out in my life to a marathon yeah. and you don't go from, um, 
from I've never made money, you know, in a business myself to working 80 hour weeks expecting to get paid off. Like, how can you achieve something? Because that's where we want to get our brain focused on, like on achievement. Like, what's something you can achieve? And even you are already achieving things every day. I love this saying this to people that come to me saying they're indecisive. Like, you're already making decisions every day. You're already achieving things every day. If you're brushing your teeth, if you wash your face, if you put on some clothes, if you went outside for a 10 minute walk, if you caught up with a friend or spoke to a family member, you've achieved something. So it's like notice what you are already doing well yeah, and just focusing on the negative start doing more of it yeah and I think that's such a great example that you gave Vicky about clients sometimes I've noticed that people come out with limiting beliefs like I'm just really indecisive and you're like but um you made the decision to do coaching so challenging <laughs> challenging those negative limiting beliefs what alternative evidence is there um for this sort of limiting belief I'm buying into oh yeah actually it seems maybe there's a bit more than I'd realized great point Right. Um, so in terms of right. mini goals, Vicky, is there anything, because I love that, so it's about make, setting achievable, like, mini goals, so can you think of, like, um, I don't know, is there an example right now in coronavirus that you've come across with clients that that, sound, that is something I, that would be very relatable for people? I can literally give you my own example. Oh, please do, please, <laughs> give it to like, us. I have an amazing morning routine that I love, love, love to oh. pieces, but I built it, like, 10 minutes at a time, mm-hmm. right? So I started by doing 10 minutes yoga every morning. Didn't matter if I just did neck and shoulder, there was no pressure to do anything um, drastic, just like I'm just going to do 10 minutes yoga every morning. Mm -hmm. And then from there I did like, okay, after my yoga, I'm going to have, I'm going to add to my shower, like a bit of a cold shower. Then I added, well, when I wake up, I'm going to have a big glass of water, which sounds so basic, but I just Mm -hmm. wasn't drinking water in the morning. Um, And then I added meditation. This morning I did some Zumba because I'm also, I also love dancing. Um, But, you know, it's like gradually building into like an hour morning routine which means my first hour and then I started to get up earlier afterwards mm. right so now I wake up at 6 15 but when I started this I was still getting up at eight oh. now I did that gradually mm-hmm. and now I have like an, a morning routine that covers everything that I could dream of including how, how could I forget to mention self-coaching but yeah including that yeah. um and time now I spend time in the morning thinking about my clients like I just start my day off exactly how I want to mm. now I love the morning routine um, way of building this because yeah. it's how you start your day. You automatically get yourself into the right mindset. I have yeah. another client and she told me she's got three boys and they're young, they're running around. She's like, all I get is five minutes. Yeah. That's all I get is five minutes to do anything. So I'm like, great. When, with your goal, with your business goal, what can you do in five minutes? If in the first five minutes you write five titles for your social media posts and in the next five minutes you write one of them in the next five minutes you write another and the next five minutes you publish one like it doesn't matter but you see what happens when we have 25 minutes Mm -hmm. like as in 25 minutes separate five minutes Mm -hmm. is we get shit done versus like well if I don't have an hour to write everything plan it and upload it then I'm not going to do anything so for a lot Mm -hmm. of people like this is the option this is the reality right now Mm -hmm. so just Think about how you can create micro tasks. I love that to micro-tasks. serve your goal. Yeah. yeah, something that's worked well for me. I don't, I don't like running, um, but rather than thinking about going on a run, I, again, I break it down into a micro goal. I'll be like, I'm going to do ten minutes in one direction, and that's totally achievable because ten minutes is you can do anything for ten minutes. And then by the time you've done that, it's just running back on yourself. But that that mindset shift of making a micro goal is what helps me to do it. Without that, I don't think I could. Excellent point. And I also love what you say, Vicky, about um, in your point one, stopping judging ourselves because we're programmed to be negative. So we don't need to beat ourselves up for feeling 
negative feelings sometimes. Um, and it's very normal to want to resist um, negative feelings, but actually surrendering, whether it's just acknowledging them and watching them arise or even journaling, I think, just journaling them down, writing them down, like almost like vomiting them out. It's really cathartic. Um, surrendering is a much quicker way through painful feelings, ironically, isn't it? Right, totally. I actually have um, a podcast episode coming out today called A Hundred Bad Days. Mm. And it's a theory, like a concept that I created because when you have a bad day, like we tend to think, oh, there's something wrong. I shouldn't be feeling this. And we resist it exactly as you said, versus like, actually, it's part of the human experience. And if we think about it, sometimes we want bad days. Sometimes we want to feel bad when we lose someone we love, when when we break up with someone, when a business has to close or whatever it might be. And so allowing those hundred bad days, yeah, it's like when one comes, it's like an immediate relief of like, oh, this is one of my hundred. Okay. So like I know that I'm crossing one off. Yeah. Um, and it just allows us to really accept the human experience and also other people because other people are having bad days. Like that person that snapped at you in the supermarket mm-hmm. wasn't snapping at you because of you, right? They were snapping at you because they're human and they also have a hundred bad days. Yeah, I love that. And what you talk about the human experience because it almost gives us permission to be less than happy and perfect Um, and I've also found through life some of the most difficult moments in life um, adversity often relating to breakups Um, at the time that pain feels awful and dark but actually it's so true what Rumi says you know the wound is the place where the light enters you often through adversity you do learn the best things even now you know the things that people are most frustrated about not being able to do that's showing people what they really value, what they need in their lives, you know, even if it's difficult realities, like, God, I really can't stand being around my partner. Maybe I shouldn't be with him after quarantine is over. It's painful, but that's also like quite a beautiful realization because at the end of the day, the truth does set you free. So yeah, there's, there's a closer link between suffering and pain and beauty and joy, isn't there? Than sometimes we think. Right. I always say it's like called growing pains for a reason. Yeah. We have to grow through the pain. It's so true. Um, I don't know if you've read the book, The Miracle Morning by Hal Elwood, Vicky, have you? I've heard of it, you might, but I've um, not read it, but I know someone that's done it, I think. You might really enjoy that. And I'm just mentioning it for listeners when you said how you found having a morning routine so powerful. So Hal Elwood wrote this international bestseller called The Miracle Morning. And it's all about how to craft, um, routine in your morning and how miraculous it is on your wider life achievements and success. So just to mention that for listeners, um, I'm conscious that, um, we'll need to wrap up shortly, Vicky, cause I know you've got Love an appointment it. to go to. Um, so is there, is there one thing you'd like to share about common mistakes that people make very quickly in terms of sort of, um, achieving their goals? Is there anything that feels important to share that you haven't covered? Um, the main, the main things are people, um, so there's two things. Okay. I'm going to leave with this one big one. Cause I think we've spoken a little bit about some throughout. So go back and listen, um, everyone as well, if you didn't catch them. But one of the main things I will say is that we completely overestimate what we can do in a day or two days. And we completely underestimate what we can do in a year or five years. So often when people come to me for coaching, they come and we speak about their long-term goals. And I know that they're way smaller than what they can do. And then when I start working with them on scheduling their week and doing what they want to do in a day, it's like way too much. I had one person come to me with like 20 tasks in her day. Now I know a lot of you are listening and you're thinking, I can do 20 things in a day. Why would you do 20 things in a day? Like, What's the urgency? What's the rush? Why live your life like that? Like, I, We want to keep things very simple. We don't want our brain to be darting around all the time. Like, You can schedule your week and know that you can get things done without driving yourself crazy. So like that balance of 
and and then the less you get done, the more you fail every day to do all the things that you want to do, the more your confidence gets knocked, the smaller your long-term goal gets. So it's kind of so like counterproductive in all the ways. Yeah. I really recommend anyone listening, yeah. cut your to-do list by half. Yeah. <laughs> like what you want to do today. Just start doing less and, and giving more time to what you are doing yeah. and then you can start building up there the same exact thing that I spoke about with the morning routine actually for your whole day mm. so instead of trying to do 20 things in a day go to 10 and then once you are doing those 10 really well you can like add something else if you want to if you find out that you've got a lot more time but by doing less we allow ourselves to learn a lot more and if you end up with that mm. more time on your hands you can use that time as like focus time to start thinking on purpose about what you want to create and on purpose about future clients or business or relationships that you want or mm. health goals that you want to pursue like create that space in your life I love that for what you really want because when you're being more realistic you don't end up feeling bad and beating yourself up and then it's a vicious right. cycle isn't it and um, right. having less, you can be more intentional. Someone said something right. at a, a seminar I went to that was helpful, a similar thought you just said. You know, you can even have one day where you do just focus on one thing. Like maybe for me, it might be writing articles. Maybe another day is recording two podcasts. So you don't have to jam it all in, you know. Um, right. Yeah, play around, see what, see what really serves you. Um, yeah, I think that's a really great point, Vicky. So just to wrap up, Vicky, um, if you could sort of define success in any sort of way, what would you say success means to you? Um, success to me means creation, like creating something. Um, there's like a famous Einstein quote that says, uh, creativity is more important than knowledge because essentially knowledge is us learning what someone else did and creativity. I mean, even right now, we're seeing so many creative solutions mm -hmm. to this problem. Mm -hmm. So for me, success is creativity. And by that, I mean creating solutions to problems. And I think uh, like throughout history, we've just been phenomenal at it. And that's one of the things I'm focusing on right now with everything going on. And I focus on generally in life is like, people are out there creating phenomenal solutions yeah. and like you can too everyone listening there's no like weight on what you should and shouldn't be doing but I I genuinely believe that every person has a solution yeah. to a problem that no one else can create because it's based on your unique life experience and your unique problems and that's yeah. why I do what I do because I love helping people create solutions yeah. that the world needs absolutely. <laughs> and also they get to enjoy the benefits absolutely if people want to look you up, Vicky, where can they find you online in terms of websites, social media, that sort of thing? Yep, so they can go to vickylouise.com. It's V-I-K-K-I-L-O-U-I-S-E. And also my podcast called Fuck Anxiety and Get Shit Done, but it's F asterisk C-K. If you search anxiety, I should come up as one of the top ones. Mm -hmm. And also social is vickylouise underscore 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 Fantastic. on Instagram. Awesome. Um, thank you so much for being here, Vicky. That was fascinating. I love what you've taught us about being aware of how the brain works, about how we need to, yeah, just watch those sort of feelings arise, but stop judging them. Um, the importance of surrendering more, how powerful a micro goal can be rather than a, an unreachable lofty goal. Um, mm -hmm. and also how we can make more of our everyday by doing less. I mean, how brilliant. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, that's the good news. <laughs> it's absolutely fabulous. I can't wait to try and implement more of this in my own life. Um, yeah, 
the other the other thing that came up when you were talking, Vicky, just just to um, put in one thought that I hadn't injected was what you said around decision making. There's a brilliant video if anyone wants to Google it on YouTube. Um, if you Google "Wow, the Wheel of Wellbeing," there's a fantastic animation on happiness and the different component parts of it. And I love what you said about decision making because in it it says life is 10% circumstances, what happens to you, and 40% decision making, the decisions you take around what you're you know, around what you want, what, how you can take control of things that feel out of your control, 10% life circumstances, 40% decision-making. So I think that's a brilliant myth that you've busted there for people who kind of feel in victim zone because it's not fair, you know, I've got these circumstances right now with children or X or Y or Z. Well, what positive decisions can you make? It's a really good one. Um, so thank you again, Vicky, for sharing those wonderful pearls of wisdom. It's been fabulous having you here. And, thank um, you. So fun being here. Yeah, and we look forward to chatting again sometime. Definitely.